Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of 2020 Psych. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Hernandez, and I'm joined today by my father. I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. My name is Dr. Hernandez. I'm a double board certified American psychiatrist. Today, we are going to be talking about Parkinson's disease, and I want to first start off this episode by giving a very warm shout out to our dear friends, Ben and Bonnie, across the pond in the UK. We love you guys, we appreciate you guys, and we're sending you all the best over here in California. With that, I want to go ahead and talk about Parkinson's disease, ask my dad a f- opening question of what is it and what are the symptoms of it. Well, Parkinson's is considered a neurodegenerative disease that affects a particular neurotransmitter in the brain, uh, it's particularly dopamine. And dopamine is involved in both motor and non-motor functions. And about 10 million people worldwide are affected uh, by this uh, progressively uh, worsening disease. And it, it takes a burden not only, of course, on the patient, but on their loved ones. And again, we're, we're dedicating this episode to our friends, uh, Ben and Bonnie, who come with an extensive network of friends. And we admire them for uh, their support, their their caregiving, their love that they have towards Bonnie. Uh, and we felt that it's important to talk not only about the effects of Parkinson's, but the effect that it it has on on those that's the caregivers of those that suffer from Parkinson's. Uh, Parkinson's is also associated with dementia. Uh, worldwide, there's almost 50 million people that suffer from uh, uh, dementia. So this is uh, something that's very common, and there's a great deal of people that are affected by this disorder. What are the early signs of Parkinson's, and at what age does that come about? Tip on average. Well, one of the risk factors for Parkinson's, the main risk factor is age. So the older you are, the the greater your chances of becoming or of having this disorder are more common. But there, it's typically considered a motor disorder where there's there's tremors, there's rigidity, there's slowness of movement. But there's also some non-motor symptoms that can precede the motor symptoms by years, and some say that these non-motor symptoms can be even more troublesome than the motor symptoms themselves. And the non-motor symptoms include uh, difficulties with attention, planning, language, memory, and again, even even uh, some dementing symptoms. Uh, there's things like constipation, there's fatigue, there's increase in dandruff, there's lightheadedness, loss of sense or smell of taste, uh, there's a myriad of problems that include sexual problems, sleep disorders, and, and, and so forth. So, again, these non-motor symptoms can come before the motor symptoms. So, Is it something that's passed on in the family, or can anyone get Parkinson's? doesn't matter. Well, it has been noted that there are 10 or 15% of patients have a genetic component to it. Uh, so, there is... Also, some environmental factors that can contribute to the development of the disorder. 
exposure to certain uh, insecticides, fungicides, um, and also some type of metal uh, that that can be somewhat toxic, neurotoxic as well. And as of right now, there's no cure for it. So what type of treatments are there to kind of help with the physical symptoms of the disease? Well, there are medications that can help, particularly in the early stages of Parkinson's. But as the disease progresses, um, like our our friend uh, Bonnie is in a a wonderful care home uh, where she gets the best of care. Ben's provided with her with the 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 most resources that he can, such as a you know a really nice wheelchair, and uh, so there's it's a multifaceted approach. There's occupational therapists. There's uh, therapy of, of many other facets that go along in uh, in treating this disorder. So we've talked about the physical. What have you read up about the mental? aspect of this disease and how it affects the patient as well as their loved ones? What kind of things pop up for Parkinson's patients' mental health? Well, there can be hallucinations even. There can be depression. There's anxiety. There's can be some apathy. Uh, patients are withdrawn. They seem that they're unmotivated at times. Uh, so, uh, again, there's a uh, but there, there can be some very prominent uh, psychiatric symptoms uh, along the way and, and even some neuropsychiatric symptoms such as sleep disorders and uh, things of that nature. Is depression common in Parkinson's patients? I think that it, it, has, it, ha- it is common. Uh, I think that patients do have an insight and, it, of course, it's a very... Uh, depressing disorder when you realize what you're going through. Uh, initially, uh, patients can be uh, asymptomatic to a certain extent in the very early stages, but as the disease progresses, I think there's a realization that uh, this is sort of a downward uh, course and there's that awareness, and I think that's a saddening uh, impression or effect that it has on people. It has to. Uh, jumping, jumping back to something earlier, I wanted to ask... What makes what prompts someone to go to the doctor and find out that they have Parkinson's? What type of early symptoms show up that correlate to make someone feel inclined to th- believe that they may have that or their doctor may believe that they have it? Well, initially, things like a slight shaking or tremors, the fingers, upper extremities, uh, shaking, th- those are the kind of things that I think prompt people to to seek help. It's a, it's a tremor initially. And so with the mental health aspect in mind, what kind of treatment does someone go through if they're already taking meds for maybe the physical symptoms? Would they also take like an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication alongside? Like what, what does that do in combination with the physical, with the physical pills that you're taking for your symptoms? Well, I think, as you point out, antidepressants may be in order, even some anti-anxiety agents. Sometimes some of the, there are some adverse effects to the treatments because they, uh, they increase dopamine, and dopamine can mediate or cause psychosis. So it can be a really delicate balance in trying to 
uh, treat psychotic symptoms with an agent that can actually worsen uh, the disorder. Uh, so it, it, it can be very difficult and challenging for uh, a neurologist and a, a psychiatrist to manage uh, the, these symptoms because it's a very delicate balance with the with that neurotransmitter dopamine. Are there, I think you may have mentioned this earlier, pills for, let's say, if the patient starts to experience memory loss or dementia, are there medications that they can take to slow that process or maybe help not lose their memory as quickly? Or is that something that's inevitable? Well, there's are, there are medications that can slow the progression of the dementia. Uh, there are no cures available, but uh, these medications can slow the process down and even improve some of the neuropsychiatric symptoms such as depression, anxiety, and even impulsive uh, agitated behaviors as well. Would it be the short-term memory that is bad or the long-term memory that fades? Well, in most, in all cases of dementia, short-term memory gets affected first. The long-term memory is very well stored and that's the last to go. Uh, but initially it's, it's a, what did you have for breakfast? What happened, you know, five minutes ago? Where did you leave the keys? That's the type of memory that, that goes first. But things that happen in one's childhood stay there because it, it's very well stored, but eventually all memory goes. So how does someone stay positive, whether they have Parkinson's or even their loved ones dealing with someone in their family going with going through Parkinson's? What are some things that they can kind of lean on in terms of positivity to that they're doing everything that they can do? Well, caregivers need to actually take care of themselves. Uh, they get into this mode of giving, taking care of their, 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 their loved one, that they can often neglect themselves, and that in itself can produce issues because they have uh, there's something known as you know this caregiver burden. There's sort of a, a burnout. Uh, so, like with our friend, our friend Ben, we we try to we ask him how he's doing, how he feels, uh, that he has to take care of himself, watch his diet, exercise, and, and take care of himself because it's easy to for a caregiver to neglect themselves because they're so focused on on providing the loving care that that their loved one needs. But uh, it's it's a network of uh, support, friends, family that are involved that a caregiver needs to know that they're not alone either, that that they have to count with others as well, that no one should ever think that they're by themselves in, the, in this journey, in this battle, in this challenge. So it, it's important for the caregivers to take care of themselves as well and, and, and be mindful of uh, their own health and their own... Uh, well-being. Are there any glimmers of hope for any breakthrough, any new breakthrough treatments in Parkinson's? You know what, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot right now, but there's always research that's involved in um, neurodegenerative disorders, and we hope that at some point uh, uh, there can be a better treatment and maybe even a cure someday. We want to thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed our latest episode. I know we took a bit of a break, but we are back. We are still doing episodes, so be on the lookout for a few holiday special 
episodes. And with that, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day wherever you are.